biggest lie we yeah, have would have to be the fucking U.S. government, actually. Ooh. Give me it. No, I'm serious. Um, the biggest lie is the U.S. government. Um, it's not what it used to be. It used to be so sick and about the people and about freedom and all that shit, but now it's just bullshit. Now it's a fucking reality show and uh, I think there's gonna be a lot of weird shit that happens within our lifetime and within our generation that that really changes the, the way of the world. So move somewhere because whenever martial law is declared, you have fucking, or whenever the credit cards fail, whenever your cards fail, whenever your banks fail and you can't use your fucking card anymore, you have three days to get out of where you are because that's when they're coming for you. That's the big move, that's checkmate right there. And they think they have you. But move out to the country, get your scrap, stand up for yourself, build a tower, build a long road to where you can see them coming. Don't give up. America. again and um, I'm doing I'm doing things a little different I know it you're probably like wow what's that fucking noise in the background well so I'm doing things differently you know I mean as many as as many of you know I uh, do a podcast from rehab and uh so with that being said i don't really have access to a professional recording studio at least i don't yet uh that may that may change after this whole global pandemic quarantine it uh gets solved or situated or whatever but it's just me, a microphone, a laptop, and what little audio engineering software I have to utilize with. So needless to say, you know, the the recording quality sometimes isn't the best. I don't have a designated space where I can always go in. I don't have the uh, luxury of soundproofing a room. It's usually whatever staff is allowing me to use whatever room is available to me, I use. So those the rooms in which I record in change all the time. And so sometimes there will be a recording with me and my friends. There will be horrible reverb or echo because of the room we're in. And so mixing down these episodes, it's not... It, it's proven to be quite a challenge. You know, I don't have the same space I can always go into and um, record in. And today, I really had to get the fuck out of my house because I've been in my house way too fucking long. And I thought, well, I could record in my bedroom. The problematic part of that is a number of things. One, my the wall in which I share which with my next door neighbor is paper thin so I can hear every detail of his phone conversations when he decides he wants to play guitar or laugh at a stupid internet video and I can hear all of that so if I can hear that I know the mic will pick that up second of all it just feels weird recording in my bedroom 
because if my if if I can hear everything he's doing, then everybody can hear what I'm doing in my room. So if I'm telling some crazy war story <laughs> by myself, people are going to hear and be like, what the fuck he's doing? What the fuck is he doing in there? I mean, most people know, but at the same time, it's like, it, it just inhibits my ability to tell a fluid story because I'm always in my head like, oh, people are outside the door listening to me. Maybe that's from the years of meth I've done, thinking people are outside of my doors when they're not, or I, I don't fucking know. So today, it's different. Today, I'm in my car, parked <laughs> in some random location, recording a podcast for you all. You see, the, this is the amount of dedication... I put myself through to get an episode out for you guys. And uh, it's raining in not so sunny California. I went out, I had an amazing breakfast and I got a free coffee from my good friend, the, the porch pirate from episode four. If you guys remember all the way back in episode four, uh, the, the girl who who's, <laughs> anonymously known as the porch pirate. Well, she went down to rehab also before me. And now she hooks me up with free coffee at the, one of the only coffee shops that's open. So shout outs to you, porch pirate. Also, I want to give a shout out to my friend suicide riot for, um, challenging me on Instagram to post the most embarrassing photo I could find of myself onto the platform. And, uh, you know, a lot of my photos are, are the embarrassing ones are actually just kind of sad because they're of me just really strung out looking really awful. So I didn't want to post that, but I found a picture of me in my scene days with embarrassingly long hair covering my eyes, my eyeballs and trying to look as cool as possible, but I just look really dorky. So, um, shout outs to Suicide Riot for challenging me to upload a, a very embarrassing photo of myself. And I'm sure anyone on Instagram was like, what the fuck? Because there's all these rules to this challenge. You can only, in the description, write a certain thing and tag you know, whoever challenged you. And I was like, you know, I'm bored and I was challenged. So what the fuck? Here's an embarrassing photo of me. And when I say scene, I'm not, I mean, I'm, it may look like I was an emo scene, but no, I was very anti-emo. I was strictly into deathcore. And uh, so let's just not go there. Anyway, you guys, how are all of you? I, I'm in my car. You could probably hear it's raining. And I have a nice cup of coffee in my vape, and I thought, hey, I want to get an episode out. Uh, the episode I was intent intending on uploading, well, my guest, uh, who will remain nameless, uh, like just the other day ago, requested that I not upload my recording with him, which is kind of a bummer. He was talking about what it was like living in Chicago and gang lives and gang etiquette and all the crazy shit he went through being part of a gang in Chicago. And this is a person that was in, in uh, rehab with me and it was one of my first recordings. It's from many, many months ago. And I knew it was gonna be a pain in the ass to, to edit because I knew I was gonna have to censor out aliases, names, places, because there's, he talks about stories of being shot at and shooting at people. And I was just like, this is way too incriminating. It's gonna take me weeks upon weeks to edit this. And just the other day he said, no, you know, as a matter of fact, I don't want that uploaded. So that's a bummer. So instead I thought, let's talk about all the times or not all, but let's talk about a handful of times that I, have been stabbed <laughs> because there, I mean, I'm only going to get into like three or four stories of how I've been stabbed or cut or sliced with a knife or various objects. Most of them involve me getting into an altercation with my 
many ex-girlfriends. But just to wrap up a IRL update, I'm bored out of my fucking mind. You know, I'm, I almost have a year clean, so we'll do a year sobriety episode and plan that out. But, you know, if I'm a few weeks away from graduating this 12-month program, I mean, I got moved into sober living early, and literally, it's just kind of a complete shit show. There's no outside meetings, so we have people brought in to do in-house meetings, and they're so unorganized. And just, I don't know. I have my own prejudices against the, the, some of the meetings or some of the people leading the meetings. And I'm just going to mind my P's and Q's on that. You know, everyone in the house is going stir crazy. They have cabin fever. Everyone's getting on each other's nerves. You know, my, my good friend Zach has been going insane. Uh, just the other day he shared in a meeting how he wants to push people down flights of stairs. <laughs> And right before he comes in the meeting, he came from the kitchen and left the sink running and overflowed our kitchen. So our kitchen was flooded. <laughs> so they're in a whole hour long meeting. He's sharing about wanting to push people down flights of stairs and how aggro people make him. All the while, he, un unbeknownst to us, our whole sink is over flooding and our kitchen's flooded with soapy water. So that happened. And... Um, it's just been weird. It's been weird being stuck. You would think when you have all the free time in the world that you would, you know, or one like myself would make time for all these projects and hobbies and stuff. But it, like once I, I went from having so much structure to having very little to no structure in my life. And I haven't been handling it the, the best, you know. It's been, uh, it's been weird and it's very, it, it, at like the first few weeks of this whole isolation, social distancing shit, it was very easy for me to, to completely isolate, lock myself in my room and scroll through endless stupid internet videos and not reply to messages. And I, I mean, I just got super stuck in my head. And I went through a little bout of depression, you know, um, and I just wasn't answering any messages. So I apologize if I haven't, you know, I, I think I just recently went and replied to all these messages I got. So I apologize for taking my sweet ass time to, to get back to a lot of you. And, and, uh, you know, I'm going through it just as, just as much as all of you I've seen in my Facebook feed, just some people have are just going insane, you know? I have two over 2,000 friends on my, my troll account on Facebook, so I don't necessarily know every, even a fraction of everybody on there on a personal, like, physical level. Like, like I've, I haven't, there's a lot of people I'm friends with I've never met before, and I just see people posting shit like they're also losing their minds. And so, I, <laughs> I don't even know, like, I, it's been, it's been a quite a challenge maintaining sanity through all this, uh, uh, all this unknown, you, you know, you guys, like, it's like, we hear all this stupid shit on the news and then you see all this other inf misinformation on, on the internet. So it's like, it's hard to see what kind of accurate shit there is out there to like, to follow or go by how long this shit's going to last or, um, or how bad it is in your area or County. I fucking went a little crazy and bought like four different face masks and who knows when the fuck those are coming in. So I don't know. I have a few plans of things I'm going to do with, uh, this project, maybe start doing more YouTube videos or this or that. It, it's really up in the air. I mean, uh, my job decided to, to lay me off just for the fact that I would get unemployment. And when this is all over there, I mean, they want me to come back. They said, Unc, you're a good worker. We enjoy you being here. It's just, there's no work right now because of the lockdown or stay at home order in California. So we're, we're downsizing everyone 
here and we're just laying them off temporar temporarily so you guys can get unemployment and have some kind of financial compensation while this is all going on. You know, our school is, uh, our community college is giving out um, relief fund checks. So I filled out a grant to get some extra funds and you know, I have, a, you know, a few thousand dollars saved up. But I think the, the main thing is I'm probably just gonna do school full, full time get some financial aid and be locked in my room. All the fucking classes are only available online now, which, you know, I need to buy, I just ordered a desk cause it's like doing homework on a bed. It, it's, I, it's so easy to f take a nap when you're laying on your bed doing homework. So anyway, it's really like, I wish there was more to report on, but there's not shit going on. The whole world is, is just confined to their homes for the most part unless you need to go get supplies or go get some kind of medical attention. So it's boring as fuck. I, I've been, uh, I had my first craving in like 11 months because I saw some random person post the weirdest shit about how high he was on and how he had a gram of black and a 30 bag of clear. And I mean, in my worst using days, I've never eat, would have thought to post the shit that he was posting. And I was priding myself like, oh, well, I don't know anyone who uses in this county. And now it was I, like that plus like this whole shit going on. I had my first craving and I had to work through it with my sponsor and I'm fine now, but it's just been weird. My using dreams have come back like in a hardcore way. I, I have these crazy dreams where I'm like walking around my sober living trying to find a place to shoot up because I'm, I'm in my dream, I'm like, I'm, I'm holding some fucking drugs. And then I have like, I like find a, a room to hide in in this dream and I'm trying to like dig around my arm with a fucking needle and like digging around for a vein in my arm and it's like an extra long needle so I'll pull the plunger back and I'll get a little squirt of blood and then the needle will come out of the vein so I'm just like fucking <laughs> it's so, so trigger warning it's fucked it is so fucked and then right before I register I wake up and <laughs> I'm just like god damn it or I'll have a, yeah, it's, it's, it's so fucked. But anyway, if, if you guys hadn't noticed, I was very distant on social media and uh, I just want you guys to know I'm back. I'm doing much better. I was just depressed like everyone gets. I mean, even if this wasn't going on, I'd be depressed. People have their good days and bad days, but I'm doing a lot better now, even though I'm in a car in the rain recording a podcast, I'd say, you know, overall I'm doing pretty good. I have a coffee in my hand, I have my vaporizer, and uh, I have a roof over my head, I have food, and you know, they, I think our, the board of directors at our, that our whole facility said, we're not gonna just, basically said, we're not gonna kick people out if you're unable to pay rent. So we're like, we're gonna work out something where, you know, we're all gonna get through this and you're not just gonna like push people out on the street. So at least there's that. And hold on, I have to take a sip of coffee. So yeah, I just, I hope you guys are all doing good out there. Um, I, I want to get guests on. I'm trying to find a place to record. Uh, or a space to record because I'm no longer at the inpatient side. I don't have a, a counseling room to go into. And I have a lot of old episodes I wanna get up, but I'm just cringing at the thought of even listening to old episodes of me loaded or or me when I didn't, I knew even less than about podcasting than I know now because I really honestly don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Um, I just hope you guys are doing good. So with that, Let's get into some stabbing stories. The whole topic and theme of this episode is times Unk has been stabbed or cut with a sharp object of some sorts. Now, the earliest memory I have of getting stabbed was in preschool. <laughs> and all I, all I can remember is being chased around by some kid with a pencil because he said, I'm gonna fucking stab you. 
And at first it was funny, like, oh yeah, haha, you're you're not gonna really stab me. And he's chasing me with a pencil. Uh, it's chasing me around this preschool daycare center where it's like, where the fuck were the the fucking people running this place? I'm getting chased with a sharp object. This kid screaming is gonna stab me. I don't even know why he had said he's gonna stab me. I don't know. This was Los Angeles. Kid was fucking crazy. Finally, I got tired and I turned around like, okay, just my hands out, like, please don't stab me, bro. And the fucking kid stabs me at the palm of my hand with a pencil, like, and it goes in deep. Like, this is a sharp-ass pencil. And this is, bef- this is when they're still lead in pencils, like in the 80s and shit, and shit like that. Like, what the fuck? And this pencil's sticking out on the palm of my hand. Like, dude fucking stabbed me hard. <laughs> and there's a pencil sticking out of my hand. And I'm screaming, crying. And I, that's the only memory I have of that. Unfortunately, I was really young. This was before I was even in grade school. I, did, I was involved in some crazy fights in, in preschool. And, uh, you know, I remember other times I got in a fight with some kid and I, my head got slammed against the table and chipped my tooth. I was just like, fuck, dude. Thank God those were my baby teeth. Like... I've since then have, have, you know, not been such a violent person. <laughs> I haven't really gotten in that many fights, you guys. I swear to fucking God. Anyway, that's the earliest time I remember getting stabbed. Another time I was cut or not necessarily stabbed, but sliced with a knife. I was at a party uh, at this house in the middle of this back road. There's this house on this back back road that went like nowhere, in the middle of fucking nowhere. And we would go out there and we'd have keggers and we, all me and all my friends would get super drunk. Um, Do some Coke, pop some pills. It was much more innocent times. So I'm at this party out, miles out in the middle of nowhere. There's like 50 people there and I was mo- much more of a, a very, when it came to clip, clicks and social groups, I was much more of a diplomat. I was like the skater punk kid, but I hung out with all walks of life. I hung out with the crusty punks. I hung out with the metalheads. I hung out with the preppy skaters, hung out with the gothic people, hung out with the hip hop crew. I dressed weird enough to where I was accepted by all social settings. And there were two cliques of people there that were kind of feuding with each other. There was the crusty punks and like the hip hop Coke dealers. And they would get into fights on the streets over dumb shit, over getting ripped off for, uh, for drugs or this or that. And apparently one individual had beef with this guy this crusty punker named and all I can remember because I was so drunk it was almost like I was blackout drunk sorry I have to vape but out of nowhere I look over and this random kid with a shaved head and like an echo hoodie sticks a knife in the back side of our crusty punk friend and it's like a three inch blade and he fucking shanks the shit out of him just boom right there so now and i I was talking mid-sentence to someone else and i look over and like i see everyone gasp and their mouths wide open i look over there's a knife sticking out of our friend and i'm friends with everyone here so i'm just like i don't know this guy i think i I was like acquaintances with the the stabber in question. But I'm just like, what the fuck? Everyone's like, whoa, 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 what's going on? And so now this guy, he's in full defense mode. He's still got the knife in his hand. There's blood all over the knife. And people are approaching him with their hands up like, hey, put down the knife, bro. And he's just like backing up and he's like, get the fuck away from me. And he's swiping his knife and in a slashing motion and everyone's like, oh, this dude's a little unhinged. <laughs> so there, everyone's kind of freaked out. Our friend is laying on the ground 
bleeding from his knife wound. And so me, I look at my other friend who's also named and we're like looking at each other. We didn't even say anything, but we nodded like, well, we gotta get the knife out of this dude's hand. And so we're like approaching him with our arms open, like, dude, let go of the knife. And he starts slashing at us. So at that very moment, as he's slashing towards us, my, my friend approaches this guy. Now he's pissed. Like he, something, he clicks in him and he starts swinging on the guy. And he slashes my friend across the chest and uh, <laughs> cuts him. Like it goes through his shirt, all that shit. And he's cut. So now I jump in. My, my It doesn't even phase my friend. He just keeps punching him in the head. And while this dude's getting punched in the head, he's slashing at me and I'm going to, for his hands, trying to get the knife out of his hand. Dude slashes me in the fucking chest. Goes through my fucking shirt. This Like, dude, this guy literally must have just sharpened this fucking knife before the party. Like, with intentions on stabbing somebody. So now we're both cut. We have this, like, like double dragon matching scar cut wound on our chest. Our shirts are sliced. There's blood on this knife already. So I'm like, dude, is this my blood on me mixed with other people's blood? It was a DNA fucking nightmare. And finally, I, I during some, at one point, I, the cops get called. Then they come out and uh, arrest this guy. I don't know who called the cops, but cops finally make it out. This is like miles out in the middle of fucking nowhere. Dude gets arrested. Uh, me and refuse to go to the hospital because we think we're so fucking tough. I mean, it's like, it didn't look like it was so bad that it needed stitches. And it healed up pretty fine. We just had scabs on our chest. I mean, I have a scar on my chest still from this fucking cut wound. <laughs> so that fucking happened. <laughs> I mean, a lot of, some of these stories, I, I was just so blackout drunk that bits and pieces and chunks of it are just out, are just erased from my memory. So it's hard to even tell the, these stories in any kind of detail because I'm either super loaded or drunk or, you know, I, I've heard that sometimes when people go through trauma, they dissociate. Your brain's psyche dissociates as like a survival mechanism. And be, I mean, because of that, sometimes people lose large gaps of memory just to try and like recover from trauma. I'm not sure. Uh, another time <laughs> I was cut. This is this is involves one of my ex-girlfriends. Um, I want to get her on the podcast, but I just I I'm not in contact with her that much. Um, she lives in she also is in Chicago, but at the time her and I were staying in Los Angeles or no we were in Los Angeles. I was going through this whole court case uh, for uh, after I, my bungalow apartment got raided for working at the dispensary and we were just getting super strung out on heroin and we decided to dry out and we ended up, um, well, I, I decided to move back to my parents' house, but my parents had told me, you're you're, we'll let you move back, but your girlfriend is not allowed to come with, she's got to fit, you know, she's got to either move back to her, her, her mom's house or, or what, but she's not, we're not letting her move back with us. And so I was like, okay. Uh, but in my mind, I'm like, well, I'll, I will smuggle her back <laughs> to the house. So I, I, I think I've told some of like parts of my story with around this time, but I'm doing heroin, China white heroin. My dad comes down with a rider moving van. 
We load up all my shit. I tell my girlfriend, uh, Carla, I'm like, you got to go somewhere and not be here while I'm, I'm doing this. So she walks around Pasadena. Me and my dad move all my shit into the moving van. And he's like, all right, I'm going to drive up all your stuff. And you just drive your car up. And I was like, okay. So me and Carla are sitting in my empty bungalow apartment. There's nothing in there. And we have the last bit of our China white heroin. Um, and we shoot up a giant issue of China white and I think some Coke cause we loved speed balls. And we're like, all right, this is going to be the last time we do heroin. And then we're going to dry out up North because it's like, we don't, First of all, we don't, we're moving back up to five cities, central coast. We don't know anyone that can get heroin up there. So trying to maintain a heroin habit is going to be damn near, it's going to be hard <laughs> at least. So, and plus we were trying to like just dry up anyway, because waking up, like we would wake up super sick. Our, our dealer wouldn't do deliveries until 11 AM. So it's like, we'd wake up at like eight, nine in the morning and have to just lay in bed super sick <laughs> and wait until we could get a hold of our, our connection and then have to go meet him so we wouldn't get like hooked up until like, I mean, sometimes 11, sometimes 12, it just depended. You know how it is when you're like waiting on a dealer to like finish whatever bullshit he's doing so you can get well? That is just the worst. <laughs> it's the fuck having to get somewhat dressed and get cleaned up so you could drive somewhere in the city and meet them, but your body is just in physical pain. Does anyone remember those days? <laughs> I do. So we're sitting in this bungalow apartment and we have like, we have enough heroin to like ration out a couple doses for us, but we're like, no, we're gonna do the last bit of it. And that's that. So we do, it's like a bigger shot than our normal shot. So we're really high. We move, we get back up there and I, I, I'm unpacking shit. And needless to say, over those two days of trying to dry out, I was the sickest I've ever been in my life. I remember telling a story on here about driving. We were waiting to get on methadone. And for some reason, we had to wait another extra day before we could get our dose of 40 milligrams of methadone. And we were just like, there's no way we're going to deal or no way I'm going to be able to handle being this sick. So we ended up driving all the way back down to L.A. to get fronted a half gram of China White and on a half tank of gas, it's like we, we were almost about, we're running on fumes about to run out of gas to get this fucking heroin and get well enough to so that the next day we can get on methadone and not have to feel this excruciating pain. So anyway, we do get on methadone. It's a 21 day detox. And I mean, it helps like, like we get on the methadone and we, it's like 21 day detox or for methadone is they, they, it's 21 days in its entirety. They start you at 40 milligrams and work you, it taper you down from there. Now there's a big difference between methadone maintenance and 21 day detox. Methadone maintenance is like you're, you can keep going up and up and up and you can taper at your own discretion. 21 day detox, you're going down at whatever fucking curve or rate they deem is appropriate. And I think once you get down to like, once you get down to like three milligrams, you really start to feel it. Like it's painful. And then they drop you to one milligram and then they drop you off. And now you're, you're detoxing off of methadone. So I think at that point we had gotten through 21 day detox and we're we're off the methadone, but we, we feel like shit. Like we're going through withdrawals off the methadone. It's just fucked. Like it, it's like, it's not like the very, very severe withdrawal symptoms, but like, you're just lethargic at night. You're getting hot and cold flashes still. You're just lazy. So we're trying to smoke weed and, and do dabs and, and this or that, or whatever we can to like distract ourselves from feeling this pain. And the insomnia was just so real. It was so real. Like we could not sleep for shit. And so I had a friend who just gave us a bunch of free weed and like, and wax. 
And that's and we had a little bit of kratom, so that's really all we could do to try and get us through this. Like, and methadone withdrawal, the half life of methadone is so much longer than regular heroin that these withdrawals lasted for like weeks. So we're basically just being lazy at the house all day. Oh, and my, mind you, I smuggled my ex girlfriend into my ha my parents' house, so they don't know she's there. And we're just laying around in the house for weeks. And they're like, if they knock on the door, I have to hide my girlfriend in, in like my bathroom or my closet before I answer the door. It's like, this is so fucked up. Could you imagine like, you're gonna knock on the door and you're like, oh fuck, go hide in the closet. Yeah, I did that. <laughs> So, so fucking juvenile of me. So, to like, so when they make dinner for me, I would like eat half of my, so fucked, I'd eat half of my food and every night I'd tell my parents, oh, I'm gonna go eat the rest of this in my room. <laughs> I'm not that hungry, I'm gonna eat it later. And then I'd give my girlfriend the other half of my dinner you know, I'd cook and I'd bring her food, but for dinner, it's like my parents made dinner. And so I would just, <laughs> I'd ration out fucking leftovers for her. It was so fucked. She was like, she would go like, I'd be at the house and like, or I'd be going doing something with my dad. And it's like, there were times where I'd go out and do something with my friends or something. I think I had relapsed a couple times too. Like I went to play golf with my friend uh one of my friends and actually get heroin and she i tried to stash her in my room with the, and i'd like keep the door locked and my dad tried to <laughs> my dad couldn't get in my room and so he tried to slide the window open and crawl in my room for whatever reason i mean probably because he suspected i was getting loaded or because i know i'd relapsed a couple times after those two weeks and so my my girlfriend had to hide in the closet while my dad's searching through my room. <laughs> it's just so fucked. So at that point, I was like, all right, I have to drop my girlfriend off here or there while I go do other things because I can't have my parents find my girlfriend because she's hi literally hiding out in my room for weeks. And on one occasion, I'm, I think we had, had relapsed and we were getting loaded off just, might've been heroin and speed, I don't know. Like we were just shooting up whatever we could, where whenever we could. You know, if at, at that point we had finally found a few friends were in town who who could hook us up or get would get us high. And so I'm eating dinner with my parents, and Carla, my girlfriend, goes on to my. She goes onto my computer, and gets onto my Facebook. She gets onto my Facebook profile somehow, and just starts going through all my messages, like as far back as she could, you know? And uh, she's essentially just going through all my messages, fucking just any, any messages she can, you know? So to see like, just to snoop around now, now I was communicating with people from like friends from Ohio or this or that, you know, um, doing like, I think I was talking to who would eventually be my girlfriend, Lindsay. And I mean, this is, de I'm definitely in the wrong for this. So like there would be girls that would talk to me in a, fl a flirtatious way and I would reciprocate flirtation, you know? Now, do I consider that cheating? If I have a girlfriend, yeah, that I guess that's technically technically cheating. Now, I never actually like cheated on a like a physical one-on-one -on -one level. I never had sex, you know. But I flirted back with people who were flirting with me. And that obviously that's wrong. That was something stupid that I did. Shouldn't have done that. And that's that. So I basically uh, she, she's on my fucking, my messenger and she sees these messages and she's pissed. So I eat dinner and I, I eat half my dinner and I bring it back and I look 
in my room and she's gone. The window's open, no one's in there. And I look at my screen and she's got all these messages pulled up where I was like flirting back with a girl. Piece of shit move on my part, I know. I've since then learned the error of my ways and I've changed. It was, I was a piece of shit move. But she's missing. So I call her phone trying to find her. She's, I can't find her in the room. She's hiding in my fucking closet with a box cutter, like a razor blade. I open the fucking, open the fucking closet and she's there like just sitting on the ground and she's fucking, <laughs> she's just like sitting there with a clutching a box cutter. And I'm like, what the fuck are you doing with the box cutter? She's just like, she gets up and she starts like, like, like swiping this box cutter at me. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, are you serious right now? So she, she finally connects. She gets, she fucking swipes the box cutter. <laughs> she swipes a fucking box cutter at my leg and cuts my fucking thigh. Oh, she cuts my, through my pants, cuts through my fucking pants and slices my thigh open with the fucking box cutter. And I'm like, I'm like, what the fuck? Are you serious? And I, I mean, we're both getting high, so I, I, we've been getting high. I can't really feel it, but I, I have to like grab her wrist and get the box cutter out of her hand. And I, there's blood all over my pants. And I'm just like, dude, you need to calm down. Cause she's like, she's like making a commotion in my room. My parents are in the other room eating dinner. And I'm like, you need to keep it down. My parents don't know you're here. If they find out you're here, you're gonna be kicked out. Like, what the fuck? She starts punching me in the face. And I'm just like, dude, calm down. So I basically, I just, <laughs> I throw the box cutter out of the window. And I just like lay on top of her and just hold her hands down. Like, please don't punch me in the face. I'm like bleeding on myself, bleeding on her. And I'm like, please don't scream. Like you're gonna get, we're gonna get in trouble. <laughs> this is not a good look, right? Finally, she calms down. I think she takes off and goes on a walk or something. And, and we make, like we make, I make it up to her. I like, we get a bunch of heroin or something. It, I mean, f yes, in hindsight, that was the stupid, like it was really stupid of me to like, not like set boundaries with someone else flirting with me on who's like fucking across the country. That was the dumbest thing I could do. But yeah, she cut me. I remember another time she was, it was like at night and she's, we're at the house trying to get some heroin, like just a couple of points of heroin. And it's a, it's like a, it's like eight, nine at night and we're both sick, right? So we're like trying to get, we have a few, like a little bit of money and we're trying to get whatever amount of heroin we can get for the money we have. And basically I go and get like three or like three points of heroin for like 20 bucks with a pretty good deal. And I'm driving back to the house, just so excited to shoot up this heroin. And I get pulled over by a cop in central coast, especially Grover beach. Like, like after the sun goes down, it's a fucking ghost town. The only one's out on the roads except the cops. And so this cop, I like turn onto a main road and this cop's following me for blocks and blocks and blocks. And I'm thinking, okay, this is probably a cop behind me. I can't tell cause it's dark. He flips his lights on and I'm like, well, fuck. So I take this fucking dope that's in a little baggie and I take it out of my wallet, pop it in my mouth and swallow it because I'm like, I'm not gonna get, if he searches me, I'm fucked. Like, I'm not gonna go down for fucking possession. So the cop comes in, he asks me what I'm doing. I'm said, I'm just driving home, officer, this or that. And he looks at my ID and he's like, you live right up here in these this neighborhood? I'm like, yes, sir, that's where I live. I live with my parents. And he's like, all right, all right, have a nice night. 
and he lets me go. Doesn't even search me. So I get back to the house and I tell my girlfriend, Carla, who's like hiding in my fucking house. I'm like, fuck, I got pulled over by the cops and I had to swallow the fucking heroin. She's like, all right, well, barf it up then. And so, cause she's sick. She's like desperate to get fucking this heroin out of my stomach. So I drink some water and I have like a bowl in front of me and I'm like, I'm like, dude, I can't make myself throw up. I've never done this before. So she's behind me shoving her, <laughs> she's shoving her fingers down my throat and get trying to get me to throw up. And I'm like, oh, oh. <laughs> and I'm throwing up water and throwing up water. And I'm like, oh, I can't do it. I can't do it. And she's like, bullshit, you can't do it. Drink more water. I'm going to make you throw this heroin up. So finally, I, and I'm throwing up and it's just water, just water. Finally, I throw up the little baggie <laughs> that the heroin was in. And there's no heroin in it. The baggie had come undone and I digested all the heroin. <laughs> And so finally, like 30 minutes later, after like her, like just shoving fingers down my throat and getting me to throw up water, I'm starting to feel the heroin and I'm feeling really high because I was expecting to do half of this, like this 30 pack. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I feel it. I feel pretty good. And <laughs> she's just looking at me so pissed, like, well, fuck you. I'm still sick. And that, <laughs> that just, that thought came to me randomly just now. I'll never forget her behind me just shoving fingers down my throat trying to get me to throw up and me just throwing up stomach bile and water in a bowl trying to get this heroin I swallowed out. <laughs> it was not a good time. I mean, it was probably worse for her because she was dope sick. I think what ended up happening is she had like, I don't know, like somehow my parents found out that she was hiding in the closet and they went and found her like she like, cause I'd be gone going to cop and get heroin. And they finally found her like hiding in my closet when they came into my room somehow. And then she, they, they bought her a, a Greyhound bus ticket back to Indiana or where her mom was or something. And she ended up just staying with her friend and what, and doing heroin up there. And I remember, I'll never forget it. She ended up one day, she, uh, she fucking actually mailed me Indiana heroin. She, she made a little fucking, uh, like birthday card. And she took some like 20 bags of heroin and put stickers and st like put stickers all on this card. And when I peeled the stickers back, there was like two or three 20 bags of heroin. And I shot up some Indiana heroin and fuck that shit was strong you fuckers in indiana know like at least back then knew how to fucking get you had good heroin that's all i'll say and uh so yeah she stabbed me and so you may be thinking yeah brian you're a piece of shit you flirted with another girl while you were dating someone else and so yes i was a piece of shit move but this next story this next stabbing story just shows how karma comes back full circle. So this stabbing story involves uh, the girl, one of the girls I dated after Carla, which was Lindsay. I've had Lindsay on the podcast. Um, oh, just to, for you know, just to check to like clarify, I have me and Carla are on good terms now. You know, I've apologized to her for for all the dumb things I did. She actually was in a sober living for a long time and dating someone. And unfortunately, I don't think I ever talked about this, but uh, they had gotten their own apartment. And um, not too long ago, like a month or two ago, she, her boyfriend relapsed. He had gone downstairs, used the bathroom and he, he was shooting up heroin. And a couple hours later, Carla walked in to see him just dead from an overdose. You know, they called the paramedics and the cops came and she, she ended up finding a couple, like 10 bags of heroin that he had on him. And she took the heroin off his dead body and, uh, and relapsed herself. I mean, I don't fault her for that. Could you imagine 
being clean with a partner and then walking in and seeing the person you love dead from an overdose, just that trauma alone, and then finding heroin on them, like, I couldn't say I wouldn't do it, but she, she, you know, she hid the heroin and the paramedics came, the cops were trying to give her shit about, you know, uh, I don't know, tampering with evidence or something. Cause they saw the need, well, the needles were in the trash and she's like, I was just distraught. I didn't know what to do. So after they carried her boyfriend's dead body away, um, she relapsed on heroin, you know? And so now she hasn't been doing too well. She had like over six months clean, I think. And, and now she's not doing well and she's strung out again in Chicago. And so it's just really sad. My heart goes out to her. I hope she's doing well. Uh, she wanted to come on the podcast. I just have no way of getting a hold of her. And I have no idea where she is or if she's doing good. I hope I hope she's doing better, though. Um, me and her had... A, me and Carla went on crazy... We're on a crazy drug run together. Like, I'll never forget... The, the all the crazy shit her and I went through. But this next stabbing story involves uh, someone I dated um, who's been on the podcast. She flew out to live with me in California. I ended up getting her an apartment in Morro Bay. And uh, I was staying at my parents' house and then sometimes spending the night at her house. But she lived in this big house in Morro Bay with a bunch of roommates, had her own room. And she had relapsed a few times. And I had gotten, um, I had gotten busted and put on drug court. So this is one of the times I'm clean and she's strung out. And so I have a job at a, a community college working as a certified pool operator, right? And basically, I I go to work at 6, I clock in at 6 a.m., you know? And so it's like 5.30, and there'd be times when I'd get up extra early, drive past my work tomorrow bay, and just see my girlfriend for... A little bit. Sometimes we'd have sex and I'd go to work at 6 a.m. It's like, she'd be like, come over and, and fuck me. <laughs> I'd be like, okay. And so I'd come over extra early. We'd have sex and then I'd lay in bed with her for a little bit. And then I'd leave and, and drive to work because it was like right next to her where she lived. But around this time, I was more distant because she was getting strung out. And it was getting out of control. So one morning I'm driving to work and she texts me like, hey, uh, don't come over. She made up some bullshit reason. Like, don't come over because of this and that. And uh, I was like, that looks mad suspicious. Like, why wouldn't she want me to come over for that? I forget the reason she had, but it was a real dumbass reason. So I was like, well, you know what? I'm going to go over there anyway and see what the fuck's going on, you know? Because at this point, I'd already caught her cheating on me once. I'd already caught her cheating on me once, and I was just like, dude, she's probably fucking around again, you know? Like, God, it was a fucking nightmare towards the end of that relationship because, like, I, we, her and I went to my sister's wedding once, and she was dope sick. She was, like, high and getting dope sick, like during it being super emotional. I'm just like, what the fuck? Like, are you serious right now? And I was on drug court trying to be clean. So I'd already caught her cheating on me on one occasion already, at least. So the trust was already fucked. So I was like, all right, I'm gonna go there and see what's going on. So I go and she's got a, a sliding glass door to her bedroom that has a back patio. So I'd always go into her room through the back of the house. So I go, I pull up, and I walk to the back, and she's usually like spun out and high on heroin up all night. So I go and I try to open the sliding glass door and it's locked, her, her light's on, right? So I try to open the door 
it's locked and she's like, I hear her say like, oh shit. And, uh, she turns off the, the light, like, oh, I didn't notice that you just turned. And she opens the door and I hear, I can see like through like the curtains, she's like ushering someone out of her room. Like, oh, you're definitely cheating on me right now with some dude. So I'm like calling her on her phone, like, let me the fuck in. I'm pissed off because I caught her cheating on me. And so she opens the front door and I'm interrogating her. I'm like, where is he at? Where is he at? You know, and um, she's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I was like, dude, I saw you just rush someone out of your room. Like, you're caught. Like, and she's like, well, you're not going to find him and blah, blah, blah. She's just high out of her mind. And so I'm like looking for him. <laughs> and uh, I, I don't know where the fuck. I think he snuck out through the second floor story, like jumped off the balcony or some shit. I'm not sure. But by then we're getting into this argument and I'm like, what the fuck? And so I had remembered that like, she was talking to me through text messages and she wanted me to like hook her up with Molly or something a couple weeks before we had gone to some rave and I had gotten her Molly. I didn't do the Molly, but she did. And so I thought, okay, I don't want any, like if I don't want anything to do with this chick, I, I want like all our text messages I, for some reason in my mind, I was like, I want all kind of like any paper trail of me and her talking about Molly off of her phone and mine. So I'm like, give me, I was like, delete all our messages on, on through text. I don't want. And she was like, no, fuck you, blah, blah, blah. So I was like, I was like, delete that shit off your phone. And I went to reach for her phone and delete. I was like, we're done. Like I'm breaking up with you, you know? So I don't want any like paper trail of us even communicating on there. And uh, I reach for her phone and she freaks out and starts attacking me. She's like jumps on me. She actually grabs a syringe, uncaps the fucking syringe, takes the cap off and she lunges at me with the syringe, jumps on me. And she's trying to fucking, <laughs> she's trying to stab me with a fucking syringe. Like she just loses her shit. She's already distraught because like I'm breaking up with her and I'm like, she's upset. Cause I, you know, she's been caught. Like I catch her red handed cheating on me and she's loaded. So her emotions are fucking through the roof and she's already upset about everything going on amplified by meth and heroin. So now she has a, and, and mind you, my ex has hepatitis C. So she's trying to s stab me with one of her syringes and she's trying to stab me with a hep C infected syringe. And so I'm fucking uh, trying to grab her wrists and get the syringe away from my body. It's like literally pressed up against my chest. I think what I did is I angled her wrist so that the syringe was at a 45 and then I, uh, <laughs> I bend the needle against my chest so it doesn't go into my chest. It actually like bends and, and like is bent. I don't know if the, the needle tip broke off or not, but I bent the needle so she couldn't like stab me with it. And she's like screaming at the top of her lungs, like, ah, <sighs> because she's so upset. And I'm just like, what the fuck? And so now her like roommates are downstairs, like coming in the room and watching her on top of me, trying to stab me with the syringe. And I'm like, dude, get her off of me. <laughs> and they're telling her, get off of him, get off of him. And so she finally like gets off of me and she's crying and it's a whole shit show. So I'm like, I, I end up calling into work saying I can't make it to work that day. And I'm trying to calm her down. Luckily, like, the cops didn't get called. But holy fuck, that was just a nightmare. Like, seriously, like... So I didn't actually get stabbed with the syringe. And I didn't actually get stabbed on that occasion. But the needle is pressed up against my fucking shirt. And the thing's bent. So I did have a little scratch wound up against my fucking uh, chest. And, uh... There was one occasion, like, and so that on top of the fact that when she was living with me, she would do this thing where she, like, 
not the 100 cc syringes, but like the 50 cc syringes, you can pop the needle tip off and she would do that all the time for some weird reason. And so one day when my bedroom was still carpeted, I was vacuuming all fucking spun out on goofballs. I was vacuuming the fi room barefoot and I ended up stepping on something and I look at the bottom of my foot and it's one of her needle tips sticking out of my foot and I pull it out like, holy fuck, blood's coming out of my foot. And I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> like, that's one of her hep C infected needle tips. So for like two years, every six months, I had to go get a hep C test to see if I had contracted hepatitis C from her. Fortunately, I did not contract hepatitis C, but uh, her and our, my relationship were just, it was just so toxic. And um, yeah, there was a few other crazy situations I got in with her. Um, she cheated on me like so many times and I have other stories about her and I almost getting arrested or getting arrested or dealing with cops. And she ended up going back to Ohio, going to prison, jail, and then prison. And I remember once she, uh, called me from prison and I'm still in drug court, mind you. Uh, when she's in prison and she's like giving, she had given me her password to her Facebook account and asked me to message people telling them that she's in prison. And I, I was like in a moment of drug court where I was able to relapse. So I relapse on heroin and meth and I go into her Facebook and I do, and I go through all her messages and I see every time she cheated on me, every shitty thing she said about me before, during and after our relationship. And it, it's like, when you're on meth, you're very meticulous. So it's like, I went through all her messages and saw every fucked up thing she ever did to me. Which mind you, it did not make the situation any better. And, and if anything, I'd rather not know it, all that shit. But I did that and I was just like, like, well, fuck. Kind of emotionally just scarred for life. But uh, yeah, that... <laughs> That's how, that's the kind of insanity and chaos I allowed myself to be put through when I was getting strung out. Like I had these crazy Kurt and Courtney, Sid and Nancy type relationships where we'd shoot up together and just have the worst arguments and fights. You know, <laughs> like looking back on it now, after almost having a year, I'm like, holy fuck, that... Like, how did I allow my life to get to that level? Now I know what things I sh should have done or, or didn't do that allowed my life to get that chaotic. But yeah, that's, that's the kind of addict I was, you guys. And so those are some, I don't know, it's been an hour. These are some of my stabbing stories. I've been sitting in this car for an hour. People are looking at me like I'm insane. So I'm gonna get out of here. I'm gonna go home. I think I'm going to catch a Zoom meeting and order ridiculous shit off the internet I shouldn't shouldn't be buying. Um, then I have a fourth phase group meeting and then I have a fucking house meeting. I fucking hate Thursdays, you guys, but I don't know. With that, I hope you guys are doing well. I hope you enjoy the, some of these stabbing stories. Um, you know, shout outs to everyone who's been reaching out to me and messaging me. I love you guys. I think next week I'll do a whole shout out segment where I just shout out all of you that have been reaching out to me. I love you guys. Thank you guys for being patient with me. You know, uh, I'm definitely going through it just like you guys are. Um, but at the same time, like I'm still, you know, we can get through this and not relapse. I've seen so many of my friends relapse re recently and it's been sad. You know, there's so many people I was intending to have on this podcast that are either in jail now or just out on the streets getting loaded again. And they, some of them have some of the best stories ever, but who can, like, regardless of that, they're just really genuinely good people and they're just, they're troubled. And, and I, I definitely can, I can relate to the the weird feelings one goes through that causes them to relapse so i feel for them and i hope they're doing good and i love them and i love all of you guys out there so with that i i'm uh i'm gonna get the fuck out of here 
Thank you for putting up with the shitty audio quality of me sitting in a car in the rain. I'm sure not a lot of podcasters do a podcast in their car during the rain. So I think it might add some charm to it. And with that, I'm out. So, you know, stay safe out there. I love you guys. And peace, love, and all of the above.